Hey, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I feel like I only have time to do this when I'm actually, you know, uh, full off of eating food and drinking really good um, lemonade. So I am excited to bring you all a three-parter because I you know, I started off doing that. Um, and then I was like, yeah, no, you're about to get one part. But Dr. Tiffany Reed um, just gave us all the life. And so I'm excited to share um, what does it mean to heal through Black girl magic? So I've been struggling with the idea of calling our light, um, our existence magical because it, it seems unattainable or if it is attainable that we need to fight and, and struggle to keep it. And, you know, that it, it creates this imaginary facade that our trauma and our experiences aren't real um, and the how somehow we get over it um, in a way that is supernatural. Um, and I love how we we've collectively adopted the language, but I want to Think about how we challenge it, um, because I think about how I use Black women, um, spaces, groups, communities, relationships to help um, in my healing process. When I think about calling my my closest people, um, I think of Black women um, of all ages in my life. And so this, this three-parter is talking about those challenges and the bravery that um, is necessary of putting ourselves out there, of um, also creating those spaces for ourselves if they don't exist. And you will hear uh, firsthand from, you know, an, an educator, a scholar on her research regarding these things and what what is experience of these Black women, of these women of color who um, are part of these unique spaces, particularly in predominantly white spaces? How do those things look? Um, and how do we respond to it? Um, as you hear, you know, Dr. Reed talk through her research, think about how do you, you know, either set yourself up to implement some of these things in spaces that you have, whether you have a formal or informal, you know, group meetup, or um, how do you start to look for one? We talk about that too and everything in between. Um, and how do we reimagine Black women, women of color spaces that we um, need? Uh, because I think sometimes they are going to change, rechange. And when I think about my healing process, um, I have been um, very, man, I've been very um, intentional about who um, is in those spaces because I have the ability to control it. Um, but then I also allow myself to just exist too, because I just need to be in the corner and see black women thrive. And that gives me, uh, my light back. And so we talk about the light. Uh, and so if you haven't noticed, um, I changed my, uh, access to how you will, you know, um, engage with me over Instagram. And so please start following Olivia Revolution Cade. That is my Instagram um, user name uh, so that we could have, you know, a private space um, that's still accessible to everyone um, to be able to talk through some of these, these things. And so throughout um, the next week or so, I'll be posting little nuggets from um, our talk. 
but I don't want to take up too much time because you're going to have 30 amazing minutes with Dr. Reed. And I will say um, we recorded this prior to her defense. And so, God, I wish (laughs) we would have just called you Dr. Reed, (laughs) but we're going to move forward and I'm so excited. So yay, as you all know, let's go. here with Tiffany Reed, a future Dr. Tiffany Reed, (laughs) uh, my best friend and spiritual sister, everything under the sun. Um, I'm really excited to have her on um, because she is doing amazing things um, and just been a part of my healing community um, since we met. So, how how would we describe how we met? Because I was I was working in Pittsburgh for what what was it like six months? Yeah, <laughs> and we were sitting like two three people down at the table and never said nothing to each other. You know, it's interesting because when we think of like the black woman community or the black sister community, this happens all the time where you look across the table or look down the table, you see someone that looks like you and you kind of like to have to awkwardly try to like figure out, can I trust this person? Um, Is this person going to be competitive with me? Um, Is this person going to truly see me not as a threat or just as a person? And, um, and I think, um, we went through those stages. We went through the stage of, hey, girl, hey, okay, black girl, black girl, hey, black girl, okay, I don't know you, though. <laughs> and <laughs> you like, well, I don't know you either. So, you know, and I think that speaks to, um, just speaks to, like, what healing and, like, support looks like for black women is that it takes a while for us to even, you know, go through stages of trust, um, and that's not just being, um, that's just because we've been hurt. And sometimes we are sometimes hurt by the same people that look like us and are from our community. And so you, it's, it's, it's interesting that we went through that of, okay, now you, are you, are you going to be a sister that's going to be hating on me? Or are you going to be speaking negatively? Or are you going to see me as competition? Cause sometimes I feel like, you know, sometimes we, we've always been the only ones. Um, and so when you're in spaces of always being the only one, when two of you get to the table, it's like, okay, are we going to be, are we going to strive together or are we going to stay on, on opposite sides of the island? And it's interesting because a lot of people are navigating spaces where they're on the opposite side of the island because um, either society or people within your department pin you against each other. And I don't think people pinned us against each other. It was just more so we probably have just been hurt in the past and didn't know how to like, you know, become friends. And um, during that time I was navigating um, like an abusive relationship. So it was like, I was already going through this space of, can I trust anyone? Can I trust, um, you know, am I going to be judged? Um, And I was already in a city by myself, but then I'm like, well, she in a city by herself too. 
And I felt like we automatically started getting closer to, closer to each other, not just um, emotionally as like a friendship, but even like when we think of the table in like our conference room, you were sitting at one far end and then we just gradually start moving closer and closer to each other until we ended up sitting next to each other. And I felt that as soon as we started sitting next to each other, our department and other people around us started seeing like, wow, there's two black women in this space. Hmm. And it was like, oh, we really got two black women in here. And we, and we don't have just two black women. We have two outspoken, very intellectual black women that who go back each other. And you just started seeing like, okay, well, okay, sis made a good point. Cause I'll be making that same <laughs> point at the end of this table and nobody been echoing me. Oh, okay. 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 Sis gets it. And until God removes that negative distraction out of my life, I was, I couldn't see the support and the gift that was like waiting for me to like help me heal. Um, and as soon as that distraction was gone, it was like, God was like, okay, this is the person who's going to help you, um, heal from this trauma. Um, and you both are going to need each other. And I was like, wow, like the, the level of what, how you taught me to love on myself as like self-worth and, you know, but it was just like, we became such a united front mm-hmm. on a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, sexual assault issues, mm-hmm. just policies and procedures, mansplain, you name it. We were, I was like, oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> Jasmine's speaking. Uh, right. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> she said that last week, and you all looked at us like we were crazy. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, like, you know, when you say something in a room and you've just been saying it, for years and then when you came it was like I didn't see with you echoing that it was more so like no no I'm not okay sis sis is saying what I'm saying she not I'm not crazy because as black women we are put in the space of where people don't believe us or they don't believe our truth or if it's not help if it's not hurting uh, um someone who is from who is white um well, it's kind of like it's not validated, and I felt like when we, you and I, united, it was this validation for both of us that okay, my boss is talking down to me from these particular lenses, and it's like yes, yeah, that's not okay. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I'm not crazy, and then you're like, well, Tiffany, you know that's not right either. So just, and it was like, okay, I'm not, and it's it's crazy how we paint this like term of crazy when it's more so like just not being validated and not being heard. Um, especially when you're trying to heal. And so I think our sisterhood really formed in a space of what's when we've been silenced. And now I just felt like these forces, the Holy spirit, you name it, just like, no, you're going to hear, you're going to hear not just, them individually but collectively because you've been ignoring just them as black women collectively for so long um so you know it it just i felt like our our sisterhood was truly the definition of black girl magic it was magical it was kind of like 
Like, you know, I hate to use, like, Disney. Like, I'm Elsa. You, like, I can't. We, like, go frozen <laughs> all over here. Like, right. no, we're going to ice them out. That's not what it's going to be like. We need each other. And so uh, it's the definition of what really sisterhood is, a sister friend, um, and really, really what sparked um, my passion for my research. And just, just why I look for friendships or look for people who are going to do that. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard. Um, it's hard because you, you unintentionally and unfortunately can get burned the same way that we like pretty much were able to be vulnerable to each other. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I, and you know, this is the first time that I have ever gone into this field in my current situation ever, went into a space of this sisterhood, you know, supporting black women, supporting women in general, and then end up getting burned the worst by somebody who looks like me, who claims to be a part of my community. And I, and and, so, and I think you bring up a good point um, to go back to, you know, how you had to get out of your own way um, when thinking about that first step of, creating space for us to even acknowledge that we are here for each other and how do we communicate that and I think a lot of times we as we're learning from those like negative experiences particularly from folks who look like us who give that false um, sense of security to us um, that they that we don't know how to separate a lot of times that that um could be someone who is not here for us versus someone who could be. And because a lot of the negative experiences stack up way more than the positive ones, we could easily be led down a road of this is what is common. This is what is normal when it isn't. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned your research and I'm really excited to have you on to talk more about, you know, what led to that. And it's really good for me to know that that sparked your research. So, yay. Um, so can you, can you talk about your background and your research, um, and, and what that looks like? So, um, I didn't think I was going to want to go back to school and, but then I was like, what's out here about brave spaces for black women. And so it's not a lot of literature about like sister circles or, um, you only hear stuff about like African-American students, you know, their experience. But I am at a space now in my life where I, I, I have to be unapologetically myself as a black woman and every black woman has went through a stage where they've been hurt because of who they are as black women. Um, and not just from a personal, like at home perspective, but like in a professional lens. And I'm extremely passionate about that is because we're starting to see our young babies deal with a lot of code switching, microaggressions, isolation and oppression at a very young age in predominantly white spaces. There is no reason why an 18 year old is talking to me about having to navigate hurt and pain from a faculty staff space as a college student. And I'm like, you know what? I dealt with some of those things, but 
we just didn't have a name for it, right? We are taught we are taught as black women to have this resiliency to that we're strong, that we we, we take care of everybody. <laughs> um, but we're the last ones to take care of ourselves. And so um, while I was at my previous institution, we developed um, a, a, a programmatic um, a programmatic effort for retention and recruitment for um, African American and Black women students and professionals. And because we created that, we created with some great learning outcomes, utilized the theoretical framework, um, Patricia Collins' Black Feminist Thought, um, especially for a lot of our Black professionals at, who are working at predominantly white spaces. Um, and so when we started thinking about their professional development, you had women coming in there um, during the programs. It's like, how do I tell Jan that Jan can't keep walking up to me, touching my hair like a pet? And when I tell her that it's offensive, then I'm isolated at meetings. I'm ignored because they think that that means that they don't want to be my friend. You know, and so when you're hearing like several various levels, highly educated black women in the professional field of higher education talking about these issues, it's like, I wonder what our babies are feeling like, <laughs> you know, a young black one, you know, and so, just, you know, it's different when you're, you're sitting around, a, you know, a vice president or um, a faculty tenure um, individual or a dean, and they're like, baby, wait till you get up higher. It's like, that's not a badge of honor. Like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a badge of honor of being oppressed mm. or the BS that you go through that I have to navigate to go through. To be successful. So, right. Mm. And so I'm like, if black, older Black women who have become CEOs at a level of administration in various fields, whether you're a CEO in the medical field or in the hospitals or um, education, engineering, you name it, it's like, why are our stories the same? Why are we still dealing with mansplaining? Why are we still talking about having a seat at the table? Why are we still talking about being the first? And it's 2020. African-American women are leading in uh, being enrolled in higher education and institutions. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, if we're seeing a vast majority of our population getting acclimated to higher ed in the college setting, what are their counter spaces? What are their, what does um, support look like for them? And so for this institution who values diversity, equity, and inclusion from the top down from the president, we were able to really build this program. You know, they went from having 33 black women on campus to 63 within a year. That's huge for a small private. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you started seeing across the, you know, when I would go into various spaces and you see these, um, so many black women within our, um, you know, professional staff, it was like, no one was telling us, hey, you know, when you always, okay, now all y'all can't be together. You know, you, you hear that from someone that's older and mature in the field, but that's because they're trying to play, they're trying to play nice. You hear these terms such as rock the boat and ruffle the feathers or make someone feel uncomfortable. But when you're in a space that values that, it's like it's it's extremely magical because now you have a space that's like, oh, we can sit together all together at lunch and pour into each other. Or 
we can go off campus and do wine tasting and paint, um, that we can be mentors to our um, collegiate women who are navigating very similar spaces. So I said, well, you know what, I want to really hear about what is going on and what those spaces look like um, for our students. So my title of my thesis, um, on my dissertation is um, Spilling the Tea, Black Racial Identity Development in um, Sister Circles at Predominantly White Institutions. Hmm. And the reason why I call it Spilling the Tea is because it's juicy, it's gossip. Everybody want to know how to how to be a black woman nowadays. And everybody want to know, um, uh, you know, how you want to say that, want to know how it is to navigate this. But spilling the tea is, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you uh, this tea. And then you realize, like, dang, black women are dope. And, but black women are not just magical. They're navigating so many mountains at just a very young age. You know, when I think of, you know, there's a good movie out, Little Women, mm. about the voices of white women wanting to stray different. You know, when you see that movie that's written, it comes from a very perspective, historical perspective of white women needing needing to have to, to marry for clout. And, you know, that was what was prestigious. But this movie itself, um, even when you watch it, it's like, no, you're not supposed to be smart. You need a man to define you. And it's interesting because Black women are not taught that. We are taught, honey, you're going to have to take care of Junebug, all of them. You're going to have to be working at a very young age. Don't, don't be too fast. Don't be sassy. Like, you're already being body shamed and told at a, a young age that you're being promiscuous. You've already been told from someone, oh, when you ask too many questions, you're being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. So when you see these students who are a predominantly white basis, we're kind of like, they're ingrained in their mind. Like, I, I have to dumb myself down or close some of my light because everyone can't handle me. And so um, my research really talks about utilizing William Cross's Black Racial Identity Development and Black Feminist Thought and how they overlap. And they're overlapping because William Cross really focuses on the student perspective in white spaces. And black feminist thought is kind of like this adult mentality of where black women are going to get with their lived experiences, being self-defining and navigating oppression. And um, those scholars of women are black women, right? Where William Cross, yes, black male, speaking from this entity from a 1978 perspective, it's like, these things are still valid. And it, to me, it's kind of like this gap. It's like, well, we've told you how black racial identity development has happened, where black people are finally navigating oppression or a negative experience and now becoming positive and proud. And so to me, that's what the black identity uh, perspective is in sister circles. You know, sister circles is a something that is ingrained in the African-American community, dated back to slavery, um, that is housed in churches, book clubs, sororities, um, that naturally happens when a black woman is dealing through trauma or mm. hurt. Mm. And that's the one space that should never be violated. You know, it should never be violated. And when you come into a sister circle, You've been isolated all day. Mm -hmm. 
You've been wearing a mask all day. Someone has told you not to talk a certain way. Someone didn't believe you earlier through the day. Somebody didn't even see you. Acknowledge you at all. Or acknowledge that that was your idea. (laughs) Or um, that you should be getting paid just as much as Jan or as Mike or John, right? And so when we come into sister circle spaces, it really speaks to um, the resiliency and the of the need of it's like it's like group therapy, um, and you know being able to hear somebody say, "Yeah, I experienced that too," because that that's kind of hard when you're sitting at a table and you're the only one at the table and you say. Well, is anybody else dealing with this or is this just me? And someone, well, it's just you. And I think for me, with my research, it dives deeper into like black student involvement. What does that look like? You see a lot of students either joining like black student unions or student support services, um, just trying to find their niche and find a way. And you're seeing more institutions create programs such as Sister T um, at this institution because they're seeing that black women and young black girls are, I would like to say, they're losing their light. Like they come in ambition, excited about the college experience. Um, and then when you get into a college setting, when, especially at a predominantly white institution, your light is immediately dimmed either from someone who doesn't value you in that space in the first place or someone who has been, you know, kind of like that, been there, done that, don't do this. Um, and it's kind of like, well, why can't I just navigate this space and figure it out on my own, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's various studies out there that talk about um, the result of a sister circle um, being where she can shed her feelings of isolation, aggression. Um, and so I conducted three focus groups um, at a small Midwestern um, predominantly white institution um, of 14 young women um, as first year to senior and when I tell you the three emerging themes that come from it was um, yes a racial identity development but more so black girl magic or a mountain um, spaces that need uh, spaces that are needed for sister circles and a sense of belonging and so when we dive through those three emerging themes you have the young black women saying, like, I feel like I can, like, I love being unique. I love being different. Everybody is, you know, trying to be a black woman, whether it's with my hairstyles, my gestures, or, my, um, you know, my culture. Uh, everybody wants to be a black woman, but really don't want to be a black woman. Um, and so um, it's interesting why I named it Black Girl Magic or Mountain. It's because as high as we can feel this feeling that, dang, I'm dope because I'm a black woman. You do, like black excellence and you have shows such as Black Girls Rock and you, we've been able to witness greatness with Michelle Obama. You know, it's just like, wow, I'm a part of that lineage. I'm a part of Queens. I'm a part of that heritage of my ancestors that's always been dope. And so that's the magical part. But then I'm reminded in very white spaces that being black, a black woman is a mountain. That I gotta put on this nasty half um, nap stack of don't forget to wear your mask today, don't forget to code switch, 
please don't cry in front of your supervisor. Don't pop um, off on nobody because you're gonna get fired. Yep. Um, <laughs> be careful. Don't you know? Don't don't do this in front of someone. So it's like, oh, I can't never get over this. I can never get over the mountain of being unapologetic because as soon as I feel like I've reached the magical part, something or someone reminds me that I'm inadequate or um, that black girl magic stuff is only magical when you're around other black women. Mm. When, I, I, when I'm black girl magic all day, every day. And so one of my great mentors, Linda Moore, said, today is the day that we stop coddling our prof- other professionals, white professionals, white women, um, on just um, their issues and their biases. This is the day for just because I am speaking up doesn't mean I'm intimidating. Just because I wish not to share my personal life with you because I would like to create healthy boundaries in a workspace or navigating a space that I am not a bully or I'm abrasive. And so how many times have we as black women, and I would love to, this this is a, another great study that needs to be happened. When we think of evaluations and, um, you know, how are we des- how are we described that it's laced in racism and sexism? Mm. You get what I'm saying? So one of one of the things that one of the girls said in a focus group that I will never forget, and it's penetrated my soul that I will never um how you want to say never stop being me, and it makes me emotional because you have this 18-year-old baby that says why, when I ask questions, because I'm confused in class and that I have a learning disability, so I'm going to keep asking questions to just to clear, why am I seeing this disrespectful? Why? What did I do wrong? And so that hit home that she thinks being a black woman means it's, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And to me, that hurts because God created you the way that he wanted you to create. You know, like he, he meant for you to be a black woman. He formed you in his your mother's womb before you even knew you were going to be a black woman. But when you see these young women navigating white spaces, ask those questions. I had another young woman that said, um, she was like, I have RBF, you know, rest in bitch face. And she was like, <laughs> I'm having a great day. But, you know, so many people call me an angry black woman. And she's like, they've labeled me as that. And I don't even know what that means. So now you have other women, older black women saying, you need to smile more. Mm. Oh, well, why can't Jan just realize this is my face? Well, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying. That's not helping me if you are putting me in a box and then when we sit back and think as as a woman I'm 33 I'm not a mother yet and what would I teach my daughter you know I don't want to teach her how to have the mask I don't want to teach her this is the things this is what code switching is at 10 years old (laughs) you know what I'm saying like it's like you take away their youth you take away so much from a black woman and as a black girl and you think about it and the thing is 
there's so much truth to that. Think about how police officers handle black women. Think about um, when you speak up and show that you're passionate about somebody, you're angry, you're aggressive, you're violent. But but no one, I'm like, no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> but then no one believes you because it's this ingrained racism um, and sexism that people have already painted black women to be. And so, so many people want to say, well, why didn't you think of like spaces just for black men? I don't know what it's to mean a black man, be to be a black man. And I don't expect a black man to speak to what it means to be a black woman. And so sometimes it's very important um, in our culture and in our, uh, within our groups, but I can't worry about women of color until I, until I feel what it means to be a black woman first. And I think I you bring up, I think you bring up a good point too, of like how, when it is, when there's a discussion and a creation to help uh, what, what society defines as black, a black woman issue, and we're trying to resolve it, it seems as it needs to be copied um, or added to um, the conversation of the women of color. And that's why I, I just told um, uh, older, an older a woman, she had asked me, do I identify as a woman of color? And I told her, no, I said, I support women of color initiatives. I think they're, I think they're important, but I am a black woman first. And I noticed that when I, when I talk about women of color, black women aren't part of that. Like, and it's not because I don't make it a part. It's because it is not a part of the conversation, but I want to have us take a quick break because um, I wanted to get into um, the challenges and ways that you see from your research that we can overcome some of these challenges when trying to create this space. Thank you all for staying with us in the first part of the three-parter of <laughs> Black Girl Magic. I hope that you return for the second and third part. Um, and don't forget to follow being Olivia on Olivia Revolution Cade, C-A-D-E. Um, and I look forward to you all engaging with me over Instagram. Please DM me with any shout out support for the conversations that we're having. And I look forward to having you all in the next three or so chapters of all this amazingness. So peace and blessings. <laughs>